Welcome to Stories Behind the Stars podcast, dedicated to honoring the fallen heroes of World War II. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. With me today is Don Milne, the founder and director of Stories Behind the Stars project. Don, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got this project started and why? Thanks, Tatiana. I appreciate uh, you putting together this podcast. And uh, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about myself and why I got this project started. Uh, I'm 60 years old, live in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, but I grew up in Colorado. And then uh, after I got married, I pretty much spent my career in banking living in Utah. And I've always had a uh, interest in history. Military history is part of that and World War II history is even part of that. And um, back in 2016, I ended up starting a uh, blog on my spare time. And uh, just because it was a focus that I thought would be interesting, I said, I'm going to just write about um, each day on what could have been their 100th birthday, but it would have been someone who died during World War II. I'm just going to write an obituary length story about them. And I only had my lunch break to do that. So couldn't be very long, but it was surprising how much information you could find within just an hour about one of these heroes that are the reason why the world we li- live in today has had pretty much peace on a worldwide basis for 70 plus years because America entered World War II and we made sure that the victory went in the right direction, which doesn't always happen after wars. So I, I wrote these uh, stories on a Blogspot blog, and I did this every day, 365 days out of the year. And my plan was always to uh, complete my project on September 2nd of 2020, which would have been the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. So basically one story for every day that the United States was involved in the war, and that ends up being 1,371 stories. Uh, And then I was supposed to be done, but... uh, Sometimes things happen that you don't anticipate. And uh, towards the end of uh, 2019, my long-term banking job was eliminated. Uh, they, they didn't get rid of me because they didn't like me. Just my position just wasn't going to be something that the bank was going to have anymore. So they gave me a nice severance. And I ended up uh, thinking, well, um, my hobby might be nice to see if we can make it so that not just 1,300 people get a story written about them, but what if we could get a story about every one of the 400,000 plus Americans who didn't come home from World War II? Because I I figured I'm not the only person out of 330 million Americans that would be interested in doing this. And so I thought I'm going to start a nonprofit initiative and I'm going to find a couple thousand people that like doing this sort of thing. And if I get a couple thousand people and if they average one story a week, Um, We could get all 400,000 stories written um, in in time for the 80th anniversary of the end of World War II, which would be September of 2025. And so last year in 2020, um, I set up a pilot project where I I thought, to prove that we can do this, why don't we just take one state and let's write the story of everyone who died in World War II, didn't come home from one state. Is that possible to do? So because 
at the time I was living in Utah um, and had a lot of contacts that could help me get this set up. I decided, let's start with the state of Utah. Utah had 2,100 men and women who didn't come home. And uh, thanks to some media attention I got from KSL and a few other um, newspaper and, and radio um, um, articles, I ended up getting like a couple hundred people quickly joining my project around July. And that was on top of uh, uh, probably a couple hundred I had before then. But with, with that size group, there ended up being like 150 who actively helped me write these stories. And by uh, January of 2021, we, we basically have written all these 2,100 stories. So if we can do this in one state, uh, that proves we can do it in every state. And I think what's really cool about this project, I think what attracts so many people to this is I was just writing stories on an obscure blog that if you didn't know was there, you would never find it. But our stories are all being saved on Fold3, which is a division of Ancestry.com, which is uh, the premier uh, website for genealogy in the world, a multi-billion dollar company behind this. So they're not going anywhere. And it's a good platform um, for saving these stories. Um, the other thing, by having them all on a common platform, and, and this is the part that I think gets a lot of people excited, is we're developing a smartphone app. So anybody with a smartphone can scan a name off of any gravesite or memorial and get a link to these stories that are all in this common database. It's super easy to do. All the technology for smartphone apps make it possible to be done a few years ago. It just hasn't ever been done, but we're putting that together now. So uh, these writers, uh, many of whom you're going to be interviewing in this podcast series, this is what's happening to their stories. Their stories are being written, and someday someone's going to go to the cemetery where these headstones are at or the memorials where these names are at. They'll take their smartphone, and they'll scan that name, and what's always been for hundreds of years going to a cemetery is just uh, an experience of you just have to use your imagination to figure out, well, gee, I, I see that name there. He, he died in this war. I wonder what his story is about. That's all people could do. But going forward, every World War II fallen is going to have this story immediately accessible at any gravesite. So we're talking about Arlington National Cemetery. We're talking about all the uh, war memorials we have all throughout the world, like we have in the Philippines. The, probably the most famous one is the one in Normandy. Um, there's more than a dozen of these cemeteries across the uh, across Europe. But it'll also work in any national cemetery in the United States. And there's one or more in almost every state. And even those uh, World War II fallen that aren't buried in national cemeteries, if they're just in a regular city cemetery, it's still gonna work there too. So um, I'm really excited that eventually, um, I had one person tell me when they heard about how this works, he says, so you're basically turning every cemetery in the United States into a museum. And it basically is. Um, when I was at the, the, the National Cemetery uh, in Nebraska, um, I was looking at these uh, World War II fallen, and they were all in one section. You could see them name after name after name, all in this group. They're, they all died during World War II. And eventually, say you're a teacher, you'll be able to bring your class to, to 
to this cemetery and each kid nowadays comes with a cell phone grafted to their hand, right? So they're going to do what kids do with cell phones. They're going to start going around the cemetery, but instead of playing Pokemon Go, they're going to be reading these stories of these people that died very close to their own age. And I'm hoping one of the impacts that we'll have is they'll give someone a perspective to think, wow, what am I going to do with my life? This person 75 plus years ago, he made a conscious choice to put himself in harm's way and help make it possible for the war to have uh, a good end, uh, the peace that we've experienced for the last 75 plus years. And he didn't come home. He didn't ever get married. He didn't ever have children. Sometimes some of these fallen had already been married or had children, but the majority didn't. Their lives are cut short in their prime of their life. And I'm hoping that the younger generation on future generations can use this as a learning experience to recognize uh, we in America, um, we have many liberties and many freedoms, but it didn't come without a cost. And I think this project really helps make that even more present. And uh, the stories that our writers and researchers are finding make it even more clear that it's important that these men don't just remain um, just names carved in cold stone that all you see is a name and you don't know anything more. It's, it's 2020. It's not 1920 or 1820. Cemeteries are now in the digital age. So that's what's possible. And that's what we're trying to do with Stories Behind the Stars. 400,000 U.S. World War II fallen. Each of them has a story. Each of them can be accessed at any cemetery where their name is at. So as you've been doing your own research and been hearing research of others, are there any particular stories that stick out to you that just really made you stop and think? Yeah, it's hard to pick just one because um, personally, I've written like almost 1,300 of these stories myself. And, you know, how many people know 1,300 people? And, and a lot of them is I, I get to know them for one day and the next day I'm writing another story. So there's lots of them that I wish I had more time to go back and recall them. Um, so I oftentimes remember parts of the story and then I don't actually remember the name, but because the story's so interesting and I share it with people and then I find another interesting story. There's only so much you can hold in your, in your memory, I guess, at any one time. But I, if I had to narrow it down to one, I'd probably pick uh, Wallace Zosel from Oregon, who was born on January 1st of 1919 or no, 1920. So the, the first day of the first year in this new decade back in 1920, I'm sure is, family was um, very grateful to have him join their family. Um, and, and the reason why I like his story is he's, he's one of these young men that I think could have had some great potential had he survived the war. In, in his particular case, because he was such a great writer, um, when he, uh, <clears throat> when Wallace Osel was, um, uh, I, I can't remember if he was uh, drafted in the army or if he volunteered, but when he was in the army uh, because he was such a good writer. He actually helped write some of the field manuals that the uh, troops used to get their training. And then later he was uh, uh, made part of a topography outfit. 
So you, you don't, you usually think you got your infantry and you got your armor and you got your artillery, but there were these minor um, specialty units that were important for the war effort. And one of them were topography units. And that's because um, when the army was advancing into an area, um, they often didn't have the level of details in the maps they needed to know how to move forward. So these topographers were often in the front line um, drawing out these maps so they could take them back to the headquarters so they could make better choices on how to deploy the troops. So he, he was in a kind of a difficult and a dangerous situation um, with that sort of a, a, a role. He had gotten married just shortly before he was shipped overseas to Europe and his wife was pregnant when he left and he ended up uh, um, realizing, wow, you know, uh, I may not make it home. So he, he, such, he was only 24 years old when he died and he wrote a letter in March of 1944, I believe, if I got the, the time right, sent it home to his wife and said, this is for my son in case I don't make it home. And uh, in August, uh, about two weeks after his son died, he was killed in, in uh, Normandy. And we don't know, I don't know if uh, he, know, he knew that his wife had given birth yet or not. Um, two weeks' time might have been enough time or maybe not to hear word. He probably knew that she was due to have a baby at any time, so he, he probably knew at the time that he died, but he never saw his son. But this letter that he wrote is just so amazing. And I, the few times I've read it out loud, I just can't read it out loud without stopping and tearing up and, and just choking because it's, it's such a beautiful letter that this young man is writing to the son he'll never see. And so we do have a recording of that, and I'm sure you'll be sharing that at some point through your podcast because it's such a wonderful, wise letter. You, you hear that I said, are there 24-year-olds today that have this sort of wisdom and thoughtfulness about the future? And it's, it's really, I think, gives a focus to the loss we have of these 400,000 men that didn't come home and the potential that has been lost in, in that generation um, because they didn't come home. But at the same time, I think it's a great um, remembrance of Wallace and all the others to, to recognize, hey, we did this because we knew it was important. And we knew there were risks, but we were willing to take it because what we accomplished was important. That's beautiful. So if someone is thinking about joining Stories Behind the Stars, what would you say is the first thing, they, this first step they should take? Well, our, our website is storiesbehindthestars.org, and there's a contact form that people can fill out. And uh, we just ask for their name and their email and their uh, information about, you know, do they have any of the tools that are good to use for research, like Ancestry.com or Newspapers.com, Fold3, MyHeritage, uh, Billion Graves, those sorts of things. So we, we kind of have an idea of how much you already know, so we know what you need to get that you don't have already. There's no cost involved to participate except for your time. So that's good to know. And if you don't have some of the tools you need, like Ancestry is very critical to have, Full3 is important, newspapers.com. Because of uh, uh, special arrangements we've made with Ancestry, we can get you free access to those if you already don't have that. So it doesn't cost you anything. Um, and it's just a wonderful kind of a hobby or pastime for people to have. If you're interested in history, if you're interested in veterans, if you're interested in uh, uh, 
genealogy. If you have any of those kind of interests, this is a, a great pastime. I like to say, uh, so the weekend's coming up. If you want to spend uh, two hours with uh, um, Joe, Joe Exotic, he's the, the Tiger King guy, or do you want to spend two hours with G.I. Joe? And that's about how long it takes to research and write one of these stories because they're not writing War and Peace. We're just writing a short obituary length article averaging maybe 600, 800 words because you have to remember that the people that are going to be reading your story, they're not reading in a book. They're not reading in a library. They're probably going to be reading it at that person's gravesite. So most people on a cell phone aren't expecting to be scrolling through their cell phone page after page after page for an hour and a half. So uh, long form, those probably have a place somewhere. Some of these guys had some amazing stories and they can be books written about someone. There's that much rich material. But for this project, we're just looking for an obituary length article. And just about anybody can do that in about a couple hours. Uh, I've set up a, a training program that's free. So you, you uh, sign in, we get you word, and, and then you can use this training program. We call it Star Wars Bootcamp so that uh, you can learn all of the tools, all of the sources you need to do the writing and get you started. We'll, we'll have somebody that's familiar with the project review your first story so you can feel confident that you're not missing anything obvious that should be included. And then the participation that people want to do is up to them. Some people just want to do one story because maybe their grandfather or a great uncle or someone that they're fam familiar with, they passed in the war and that's all they want to do. But a lot of people, um, they continue on and they do one story a week. It's just something they do on a weekly basis. We have quite a few people that uh, this would be those that are mostly retired, but they do one or more stories a day sometimes. And especially with COVID restrictions where a lot of people are kind of limited on some of the normal things they do. This is a great use of time to be able to do something uh, significant like this. And it's a lot of fun. So I'm sure as people uh, listen to some of these other podcasts and hear what some of our researchers have uh, done as they do their research and tell the stories that they find most interesting, it's like, wow, that's 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 a cool that's a cool thing to do, and, and it's a great great service. America has a wonderful wonderful legacy of volunteers. Uh, the, our our World War II uh, was fought by volunteers. Like two percent of the military was professional and 98% of our military was volunteers. So um, this whole project is made up of volunteers. And I really appreciate those that have helped out so far. I, I don't think I mentioned how many we have at this point. And uh, by the time people listen to this podcast, this number is going to be passed over, but we're getting very close to having a thousand people that have contacted me to help on this project. And they come from all 50 states in America, uh, District of Columbia, and uh, 13 other countries. So some of the people are helping write these stories. Uh, mostly, they're mostly from Western Europe, but uh, th those people recognize that uh, uh, Western Europe that exists today may not be the same Western Europe if America hadn't uh, come into the war and uh, these men that are buried in many cemeteries across Europe and not paid the price to bring freedom to those countries there. So. Um, because it's free, um, I, I, I think a lot of people should just try it out. Just go to that website, storiesbehindthestars.org, and fill out the contact form and try it out and see if they like it. So we do have some people that 
were helping last year that they're not helping anymore because they did what they wanted to. And, and that's fine. Um, I just, um, I'm hoping that we can get a, a level of participation of about 2000 people. And if they average uh, a story a week, um, so one, that'd be 50 stories over the course of a year, that'll be enough to get us across that finish line by September, 2025. Because what I want to do is kind of do a, a report to our greatest generation. Because in 2025, there won't be as many as there are now. There, we're losing hundreds every day. But there'll be a, still a few of those 100-year-olds that were there at Normandy or Pearl Harbor or all across the different places that America was. And many of them lost their, their friends and buddies. And they think of them every day sometimes because they made it home. And sometimes they did it because one of their friends didn't. And I think they'll be happy to know that America, as, as a gift to these fallen, uh, took the time to write a story about every one of them. All 400,000 of their buddies that didn't make it home are going to be remembered far into the future because the Star Corps volunteers, the stories behind the stars, um, made this uh, nationwide project to get this taken care of. Uh, so you've completed Utah and you've, you've got that initiative done. Are you currently working on an initiative and do you have more initiatives coming in the future? Yeah. Um, um, Bob first, who is like, he's the, my, my first volunteer that, that helped out on this. Uh, um, he's actually kind of leading an effort in Alabama. So we have some people in Alabama that are trying to repeat what we did in Utah um, and that's going to take a bit longer because there's over 6,000 people from Alabama that didn't make it home. But he's, he started the ball rolling. And as we get more and more people, he's only going to grow in the number of people that are helping him there. And just within the last couple of weeks, I've had people from Arizona and Georgia and Colorado and Michigan all step forward and saying, what are we doing in these states? Do we have a database set up? And it may be surprising to hear, but there is no official database of the U.S. World War II fallen. And most states don't have one. There may be some that do, but I haven't uh, done the research at the state level. And so far, um, Alabama kind of had a good list, but most of the states don't that I'm aware of. So that's one thing that we'll be doing is we'll actually get a really good list of all those who uh, didn't make it home on a state level. So we're doing that. But I think something that's even more exciting this early on is um, we, we're, we've teamed up and got a list from the... Uh, National D-Day Memorial, they have a list of 2,502 Americans who uh, didn't make it past D-Day. They died on Normandy in Normandy on D-Day itself, June 6, 1944. So we've gotten this list from the uh, National D-Day Memorial, and we have about 90, the last count was just short of 90 people that are going through these names. Um, and it's amazing with just 90 people, and we've been doing this for only one month, but already we've accounted for a thousand of those 2,500 names. So we will get these done before uh, the uh, next uh, D-Day Remembrance, which will be June 6th of uh, 2021. So that's exciting. Um, after that, our next project is going to be, we're gonna do all the US World War II fallen that are buried in Arlington National Cemetery. So that's our next high profile project. I think that will, I think help us to um, be able to uh, spider out into all the other states because I'm sure every state has some World War II fallen that are buried at Arlington. 
And I, because it's our national capital, I think that'll help us get some national press coverage that, hey, here's this, this, this group of um, volunteers that are just on their own time writing these stories. And they've done all the stories from one state and they've done all the stories from uh, those who died on D-Day. And now they've done all the stories of all the World War II fallen that are in, in uh, Arlington. And I think with enough attention, then more people will, will join us and that they'll help get this project done. And I, I won't be surprised if it doesn't take us until September of 2025 to get this, this taken care of. Uh, maybe it'll happen much sooner. I, I, what we have here is it's a, it's a nonprofit initiative. It's not an actual nonprofit organization because we're not an evergreen project that plans to go on in perpetuity. We just want to get this project done and then I'll go on to the next thing in life. Well, thank you for your time. And I'll put the description uh, uh, in the description. I'll put a link to our website and where you can volunteer and um, subscribe to this podcast. And you'll start hearing some amazing stories of what our researchers are finding and the adventure they're going on and, and doing this amazing, amazing project. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you are at all interested in volunteering or just want to learn more about our amazing project, please visit us at www.storiesbehindthestars.org.